you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The Around the NFL podcast is still trying to burn down Ricky's old house. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the flagship show. Bud Light, I said. You know that Erica is back when the Matt Money Smith opener line, all the, all the aspects of the show where there's some sort of pick and choose uh, dynamic to it become Erica-centric. Yeah. Hey. Am I wrong? No, I, mean, I, I didn't set it up. Erica's oh, here sorry. physically. She's yeah. sitting behind the glass. But after a European jaunt, she's not, I wouldn't say she's all the way checked in. Fair to say, Erica, at this point? Um, no, I do my job really well. And I Ooh. show up, and when I clock in, I'm here, Dan. That's so, Ooh. ready to go. Punch that clock. <laughs> How's that tea? We do not need any more sound effects of you drinking from that cup again on this show. Get uh, it done now. Misophonia is a real thing. I think Mark has it. Yeah, I have it. And you <laughs> exacerbate it at every turn. Hang on. My apathy is helping me. <laughs> Mark Sessler is, has a lot. Apathy. <laughs> Doesn't have a lot of apathy. Is that not gross to anyone else? It's not gross to me. <clears throat> All right. But I enjoy your bitter beer face there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, week seven. What, what, a, what a day it's been. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's back in our life, and he's a winner against all odds. Um, we're going to get to that. Uh, we have the undefeated. Uh, an undefeated team stays undefeated. Some winless teams stay winless. So, so much to get to, and we'll cap it off with Sunday Night Football and a, a huge, huge moment for Chris Wessling, who is looking to get off the lock schneid in a big spot uh, in, in primetime. So, a lot to get to. Do you guys want to start digging into the show? Please. Let's do it, and let's start with a team that's as hot as any team in football going on the road to Soldier Field. Saints football, baby. 
Bridgewater under center, quick throw, out to the side, Taysom Hill, across the goal line, touchdown, Taysom Hill! It's a little variation of your bully ball there, swing it out to Taysom Hill, he puts his head down, and good luck stopping that load with a head of steam. You have to know where number seven is in the red zone. Like this. How about that? Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister with the call. Get rid of that generic slop. Bring in Sam Spence. NFL Films. It's in our library, baby. You can't take it away. But you can try. I'm out the door if you do. Save that voice. You're running out. (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater threw for 281, two touchdowns, including Mark to your boy. Taysom Hill. And the Saints improved to 5-0 and without Drew Brees. 36-25 win over the Bears. Don't pay that final score here any mind. The final score is a disgrace because this game was as one-sided as it gets. Huh, Mark? Oh, yes, it was. You're absolutely right. This is one where, for different reasons than sometimes, the box score translates into an ultra lie. Because before, you know, garbage time set disgrace. in. Disgrace. A total disgrace. Th- th- this, we, could, we can turn negative on the Bears in a minute. I will say I think this game was a decisive turning point in the Matt Nagy-Mitch Trubisky experience. Mm. And it had a lot to do with a better coach and a better coach team coming into Chicago and completely ignoring whatever aspect you wanted to hand to the Bears before this. Was it their defense? No, it won't be the Bears' defense because the Saints' offensive line, one of the best in football, is going to come in and handle Khalil Mack and everyone else and pound them for 400-plus yards, 150-plus on the ground, and without Drew Brees in the lineup, without Alvin Kamara, it doesn't matter. Teddy Bridgewater, you know what? Yeah, you're halfway through this game and he's missed a bunch of throws and he's giving you what you're expecting from Teddy Bridgewater, but he doesn't turn the ball over. He manages this team. Latavius Murray on the ground did just enough. And in every single aspect you could ask, the Saints dominated. They had nearly the ball for nearly 40 minutes. And in the defense is an absolutely phenomenal defense. I will say this, Chicago, when you're going to go out there and with minutes to go before this thing turned into garbage time nonsense, had nine drives of less than 10 yards, fewer than Ooh. 10 yards. Mm. And it is fair to look at the Mitchell Trubisky experience, along with everything around him. It's not just him alone, but he's not surrounded with a lot of people to help him out. They had about 17 yards rushing in this disaster of a game. Mitch Trubisky is missing throws and doing all the things that are tied to the negative aspects of his career. This was a huge game. They are now 3-3. Three and three. I, don't, I think if you're a Bears fan, you go to bed tonight with a lot of deep-seated concerns about your team and where they're going. It's a terrible look for the Bears. I mean, because, like you just said... No Drew Brees. But we already know that the Saints can win without Drew Brees. We've been seeing it for yep. a month plus. No Alvin Kamara. Now, that's at the point where you'd think. No Jared Cook either. No Jared Cook. Even it's though a he's been play. a little up and down. Last week, he made big plays. I, I mean, this was a game where you should have seen a compromised Saints team struggle in all phases. But instead, Latavius Murray gave you more than just enough. He goes for 119 yards and two scores. Alvin Kamara uh, wouldn't be able to do much better, I'm sure. And... Mm. And so the Saints are as in great a shape as you can get. And we heard during the telecast, um, Troy Aikman spoke on the field with Drew Brees, who didn't rule out the possibility that he'd be back before the bye. Sounds like that's the plan. Uh, which is just Next more, week. more good news for the Saints. And uh, yeah, and back to the Bears. Trubisky, who 
I think there's two ways to look at it. You could say, all right, he just got back from the injury. Let's be a little bit more patient. But then there's also the side of it where it's just like the confidence looks like it might be shot, and maybe the garbage time helped here. Uh, But the confidence is shot, and in general, the Bears, they just don't look like a team that feels itself at all right now. No, last year I argued that give the guy time to develop. You know, it's a new system. He's only in his first year starting. Let him develop. And he's gone backwards. It's sort of like Marcus Mariota, except accelerated. He's regressed in his second year. And I I think at this point, the Bears have to start looking around for other options. They they were down in As in yardage. this season? If or? you can. I mean, I don't know what's out there. Got We've the mentioned Nick line. Foles. Marcus Mariota's out there in his offensive the offensive coordinator in Chicago is a former coach of the Oregon Ducks. How about that for putting it together? <laughs> uh, well done, Greg. Here's the thing, though. The entire Bears team has regressed, and Trubisky is number one among them, but the offensive line's been terrible yeah. uh, all year. No running game. They don't have a running game, and the defense is not as good. I, it, I know they had a couple splashy games, but when you're giving up long drives to Joe Flacco and you're giving up – a couple really long drives to Derek Carr and the Raiders. I mean, they've been a very good defense, a top five defense entering today. But top five isn't the same as number one by far. And so that puts more pressure on your offense. And I think one of the most memorable things of the season happened today in Chicago. The crowd chanting, Teddy, 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 for Teddy Bridgewater in Chicago. That's the Saints fans showing up on the road. I mean, that is that is something nice. Else nice. and well, Sean Payton's going to get his first coach of the year since his first year in the league, which ended uh, with a loss in Chicago. He deserves it. I know that there's Belichick and everyone else, but there are little things that Sean Payton does. You know, other coaches, even if they're they they they, they throw the challenge flag and then you know it totally beguiled when it doesn't go their way. Payton threw an early one in this game that went the Saints' way and and kept it, it took some, took a big chunk of yardage away from Chicago. It mattered these little things that he does and the way that he just scripts the offense differently week to week depending on who's in there. And it was a it was like a game where it's Matt Nagy. We both have backup quarterbacks. You presume yours is a starter. I know mine isn't, but we're still going to go in and school you. Mm. And before we move on, my my final thought and I've had this thought all season. And sports can be humbling, but. I keep thinking back to the summer and the hubris of the Bears who brought in the nine kickers and this general feeling from outside the team. Like they, they thought if we just get a guy that could put it through the uprights in the playoffs, we will be playing in February. Well, it's not always that easy. And we're seeing that right now because this team has so many more problems than they thought they did. And uh, we'll see if they could dig themselves out. But it is not looking too hot right now. Let's move on. Not too hot. Jackson with first in the backfield. This is going to be a quarterback run. Jackson takes the snap, runs to the right. He's got a seam. He's to the five. He's in. Touchdown, Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens have taken the lead again. That was old school single wing. That was a straight up wildcat play. Great timeout. Great decision. Great execution. And the Ravens are back in front. And that was on fourth down. Jerry Sandusky, Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta. Nice. I hope his hip's okay. Yeah. That thing was, that was a real, that gave him a lot of trouble. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and Jared Johnson, WBAL, with the call. MVP watch. Lamar Jackson ran for 116 yards and a touchdown. Made some big throws and took the Ravens to an easy 30-16 to win. Yeah, easy over the Seahawks at the clink. Wes, this game did nothing for you until Lamar got hot. It wasn't easy for 
uh, two and a half quarters, and it wasn't easy to watch the game. There wasn't a whole lot going on. And then that sequence that we're talking about, the red zone in the third quarter, uh, Lamar Jackson set it up with a really nice pass to Mark Andrews down the sideline, maybe his best pass of the day. And then K.J. Wright knocked a touchdown out of Mark Andrews' hands. Then Mark Andrews just flat out dropped the ball. Tough day for Mark. Got to be third and 15. Lamar Jackson scrambles for about 13 and a half yards on third and 15. So it's fourth and two, and they send out Justin Tucker for the field goal, only to call a timeout and give credit to John Harbaugh, who has stood up at the podium and said, this is what's going on with our analytics department. This is what I believe in. This is how I'm calling plays now. We're aggressive. The eight-yard rush on fourth and two for a touchdown. The confidence in Lamar Jackson, the way Lamar Jackson played. And in that sequence, there was also a play where they didn't get the ball off in time. And it was a shotgun. And Lamar Jackson was as demonstrative as any quarterback you'll ever see. Mm. Upset with the center. Uh, The center snapped it late anyway. Lamar is midair jumping snapped to his ankles and he still caught it while he's like midair. It was amazing athletic play, but how demonstrative he was and how much he cared in that situation. And he took over from there. The The Seahawks defense was so frustrated by his scrambling ability, his legs, and you could see they just sort of had no answer for him the rest of the way. Well, he, he they play football unlike any other team in the league and on some level any other team that's ever played because he's, he's on his way to setting the all-time rushing record for a quarterback. He's on pace for almost 1,300 right. rushing he's, yards. He's on pace to, to shatter it. But he only completed nine passes today. That would have been better, certainly, if Mark Andrews had caught his passes. But the thing, I think, if you're a Ravens fan that you like is, I think the defense has been getting a little bit better each week, and Marcus uh, Peters makes a big pick six today for them uh, that came in handy. Well, along with Lamar Jackson, the other story of the game was it looked like Wink Martindale was finally calling plays like he trusted his secondary again. He he said, I'm going to bring the house, and I'm going to play man defense back here, and then we're going to change. We're gonna dare the Seahawks to do it. And the Seahawks offense one, offense, one of the reasons why I can't really get behind them is I never know what their offense is. It just seems to be like, let's roll out the footballs and have Russell Wilson make magic. What happens when he doesn't make magic? I mean, that's... and that's, Hadn't happened until this game. Right, and that's why Wilson, a lot of people, when they talk about who's an MVP favorite. He's been near the top of the list because every week he's been carrying this team. So that's why the Ravens, we talked about this on the Thursday preview, um, their defense has not been good this year. And to look at the final stat line, Russell Wilson, 20 for 41, less than six yards per attempt. He threw a pick six. This is stuff that has been completely foreign to the 2019 season. Anyone making Russell Wilson look human. So that, I mean, that's a huge credit to Wink and company. Yeah, a defense that's been in flux and they've made a lot of changes just in the past couple of weeks. The early results today were the changes worked great. I, I I know he was only sacked one time, Russell Wilson, but I feel like every time I looked up, the Ravens were in his face and making life difficult. And, and Greg, you mentioned that the, the reporting out there was that the Ravens, if they were going to trade for Marcus Peters, wanted him right away for this yeah. game. And he made a huge difference. And the Ravens are that kind of team. When they make a trade, it's not just to uh, generate headlines. It's because it's a missing piece. It fits. I think the next missing piece for them might be a wide receiver. We mentioned that on Thursday. I'd like to see something else in the passing game. But when you're going to run the ball 35 times, nearly six yards per carry, I don't know. Maybe you just ride this out. Well, and Humphrey and Peters is a legit combo, and even when you know when they get Jimmy Smith back, that'll be even better. Josh Bynes, I think, who used to play for Detroit and's had moments, I think has helped out the middle of this defense. I don't know why he went unsigned. 
during the offseason. I thought he was one of the Cardinals' best defensive players last year. That report was from Adam Schefter, by the way, and it is really interesting that he reported all this trade stuff happened this week with a call from the Rams to the Browns because they wanted Joel Petonio for Marcus Peters. They said no. They ended up, you know, making a lower level trade to the Rams. They call they call up the Ravens and the Ravens said, yeah, we want Peters, but we want him this week. We want this trade to be finished in the next couple hours or else we're not going to do it. And it, it all happened very fast. Well, I mean, you give up Joel, but who's who's guarding Baker Mayfield, my little pony? <laughs> right. No, I think that was good by the Browns. You didn't need to do that. I'd like to see that. Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I don't need to see that. A cartoon pony. Big win, five and two. Right now they put themselves, put some distance. I, I believe Cleveland Mark two and four is in second place. I think it's a huge upset at this point with the way the four teams in that division are playing if Baltimore does not handle their business. However, I agree. But however, I just looked at their schedule and they have the Patriots uh, next week, then at Cincinnati. There you go. Texans at Rams, Niners at Bills. So this is going to be a tough stretch for them. They have the flip of what some of the other teams in that division had. I mean, it was a rough schedule for a bunch of those North teams. They've done a nice job setting themselves up for that really tough stretch. And this was part of that tough stretch, and they got it done. Uh, Let's check in on a huge division showdown. First down near midfield for the Houston Texans. Watson backs the throw. He's got time. Steps up in the pocket. Wheels it deep downfield, and it's bobbled, and it's incomplete. And they're going to say, what do we got? We have an interception by the Colts. Interception by the Colts. Kiki Cutie bobbled it, and then the ball tipped up in the air. Intercepted by Indianapolis, and it's Darius Leonard. Leonard comes up with a tip drill. The Maniac with the interception. The second INT of the ball game for the Colts, and that should do it. What is everyone laughing about? I will tell you in a minute. I don't want to. I'll get. We'll get there it's in a minute. It's cutie. It's not that. But it's oh, Matt Taylor. That was funny too. Radio Network and yes, Darius Leonard back in the lineup, and he comes up with the game uh, deciding interception. But to me, this game was about Jake Bris- Jake Brisket. You're a star, kid. At least you were on Sunday. Jacoby Brissett threw for 326 yards and a career high four touchdowns, leading the Colts past the Houston Texans 30 to 23. And with the win, the Colts move into sole possession of first place hmm. in the AFC South. And and you know what? As we near the midpoint of this season, you know, it'll be week eight come Thursday. Um, it, you could not ask for a better situation if you're a Colts fan. For Andrew Luck to step away and leave the game right on the eve of the season and then to be ahead of everyone in your division and gaining confidence by the week. Um, A huge win, obviously, a week ago against the Chiefs. Now another big brand name taken out in the Texans and their schedule really softens up uh, ahead. So they have a chance to not only now that they're ahead, they have a chance to put them in position to really put the heat on Houston to just to keep up with them if they can take care of their own business. And... um, I my my big uh, takeaway from what they did that was different this week is like I said, uh, Jake Brisket played so well. This has been a, a team that has run the football, played good defense, got good coaching, and, and moved the ball through the air when they had to. Well, this was a game where they couldn't really run the ball, and they needed Jake Brisket to do something special, and he did. And that's a huge lift for this team. I was laughing because we do uh, these hits for Sky Sky Sports. 
um, in the UK. And if you're what, what, the way the process works, it's it's a bit tedious. We have to send an email saying, "Here's what we're going to talk about." <laughs> they and, listen to this podcast. Well, I'm not saying it's not. Te- it's just that it's just that it's email based. And I and I no, basically you heard what he said. It's my job to like in this case <laughs> to send over. Here's what Dan's going to talk about, and not, and they can they will throw to us based off of these sentences that we send. And I was meant to say for Dan, the Colts won in a very different way today. And all yeah. they wrote was they won, they won in a different way today. So like seconds before we're on the air, you know, Alex Mason, our uh, beloved producer over there is saying, Dan, who on earth was it that you were discussing? Hey, mate, hey, mate you got to be more clear. And <laughs> Who's I'm like, they what? I didn't do it. Mark did it. And it just was a melt. Sorry. It's, it's like my two young sons pointing at each other when there's a spilled milk on the ground or something. Right. Um, anyway, Yes. Big win for the Colts. I, I love when teams go into the bye week and you can see when they come out of the bye week that they had some ideas about how they're going to attack differently. And I think the Colts knew what their reputation was. They're the slowest paced offense in the league. They're the offense that's going deep down the field and not explosive the most in the league. And they come out of that bye week and they throw the ball around and it works. And you know what? I think it's really key. And who knows if they'll stay healthy, but we haven't seen the Colts defense all year. This today we did. Sheard, Danico Autry, Darius Leonard all back on the field at the same time. And for a defense that doesn't have a, a ton of talent, I think it's important that they're healthy because all those guys play almost every single snap, even on the defensive line. Darius Leonard jumped right in, ten tackles, seven solos, a pick that changed the game at the end. I, I do think he would have been defensive player of the year, one, two, or three candidate had he not mm. suffered this concussion. Credit to the Colts beat writers who have been pumping up Zach Pascal since training camp. He goes their number for two guy. 106 yards and two touchdowns today. What uh, what did uh, the Colts do, or what did you see out of your boy Watson? Uh, yeah, at this point, the Texans being held to 23 points is like I I see that as a great job by the defense. Uh, yeah, it was. We you know we just talked about you don't want to always depend on like in Seattle for your. Uh, quarterback to have to put on the Superman cape. Uh, but Watson, like Wilson, is one of the few guys that can pull it off. He just didn't do it this time. Uh, he threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Uh, one was a terrible throw when he threw off his back foot across his body into the flat for an easy pick. And then they got off the field immediately uh, to keep them in the game, and it was a two-score game. And um, he throws a pass a little bit high to Kiki Kute, Kute uh, who Maybe should have had the ball, but it wasn't put on the numbers. Um, they would have more points if the game officials didn't bang Watson on an in-the-grasp call where he did an amazing job because he's one of the great athletes in the sport of staying on his feet with people trying to drag him down, hits DeAndre Hopkins for, for six. They wave it off because they decided he was in the grasp. I don't really get the ruling. I know it's done to protect quarterbacks, but usually in that situation, the quarterback gets walloped anyway. Um, and it cost them four points, as it turned out. So, and that turned out to be a big deal. Uh, but Watson was good, not great, and this is a game where they needed him to be great, and uh, he wasn't. Thought, thought they'd have a chance to maybe, you know, run away with this division. That seems a lot less likely now. They do get the Colts on, I believe it's a Thursday night game, but they also play the Ravens and the Patriots. All those teams kind of battling for seeding. Well, Dan I- talked about this Colts schedule. Their next four games, three home games. In that four, they play Broncos, Steelers, Dolphins, Jags. You can't draw it up much better than that. And consistency continues to haunt the Texans because I feel like every eight or nine days we're talking about how amazing they look and how they're a real threat. And then they drop one of these games, which I wouldn't call it a stinker, going on the road and losing to a good Colts team in a competitive game is not the end of the world. But they committed ten penalties. Uh, they had the two turnovers. They uh, they had three 
Um, they had three drives where they went into deep into Colts territory and had to settle for field goals. Uh, they they just need to be sharper and and really kind of start stacking wins like they did last year. Colts team is likable, though. I mean, wouldn't it be fun to be covering Jacoby Brissett and Frank Reich at the Super Bowl? Why not? Let's do it, Colts. Eric Ebron made one of the catches of the year. Incredible catch. One thing with the Texans, I'd rather follow a team that hits you with those occasional high-ceiling moments where you feel like they could beat anyone at certain times then a clunker that's going to go give you 10 wins, but they are limited and you're just you're fooling yourself if you think they're going to do anything beyond total marginal 10-win season disappearing into the midst. I think, Please. These are, I think these are both playoff teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if they play again. AFC's January. a mess. Why not? Uh, let's move on. Snap to Rodgers. Back to throw deep drop. Rainbow's right side. Got him. Got him. Wayne Larrabee. <laughs> Look at this song. I, I mean, I'm just picturing Joe, Joe Namath in the hottest club on the Upper East Side just going ham. This feels like French Connection Part 3 or something. What's happening here? <laughs> I love it. Let's play this for every game. Packers Radio Network. Aaron Rodgers looks like an MVP again. Rodgers had his best game by far under Matt LeFleur. Uh, throwing for 429 yards, five touchdowns, runs for another score. Flower power. <laughs> Packers beat the Raiders 42-24 at Lambeau. The win moves to the pack. The pack to 5-1 and one, keeps them alone atop the NFC North. Greg, the Packers are fun again. Not good news for the rest of the NFC. It is not because Aaron Rodgers has total command of his offense right now, total command of the game. I thought he had it on Monday night. I thought that game was one of the best I've seen in years from him. It, the surroundings, not as much today. It showed up in the stat sheet. They only had the ball eight times with Aaron Rodgers. They scored six touchdowns in those eight possessions, and he scored on all of them. And the sequence to end the first half and to start the second half where they had to move down the field quickly, to me, told you everything. They didn't run. They didn't call a running play in either one of those drives. They scored touchdowns in both of those drives. In that Kumaro touchdown, he looks off the safety. He hits Kumaro down the field. He was living in turkey holes today. I mean, half of his throws were just beautiful throws that not many quarterbacks could make. (laughs) Eight plays over 20 yards to six different receivers. So they they weren't that healthy. Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison did play, although they were limited. Eight guys caught between two and four passes. So it's a bunch of guys, you know, Alan Lazard and Jimmy Graham actually made a couple plays that you, you don't expect, but he just seems to know everything that's happening on the rushing touchdown that he had. He saw where the blitz was coming in the middle of their defense. He changed the play, and he just ran it in because it was just that easy. Yeah, and you know this. He wanted this game because, as I pointed out... I wanted this game. This is backed by this is backed <laughs> by no evidence, but you knew he was annoyed uh, when Aaron Jones had the four touchdowns on the ground <laughs> that one game. And they had an otherwise great game on offense, but Rodgers didn't get to stuff the stat sheet because that's how you win MVP It's a fair awards. theory. It well, is. He has a funny way of showing it. Add six touchdowns to the ledger today, and all's even Steven. That first touchdown that he had today was to Aaron Jones, and it was a back shoulder throw on a corner route by a running back, which is just the highest mm. degree of difficulty you could have for Jones, who had to turn around at the last second. Aaron Jones makes some plays every week that just 
blow you away. So it's not that he doesn't have any talent around him. He's got Aaron Jones. Where are we at on this uh, white jacket that the flower wears every week? Does that bother you, Dan? I think it's flower power. I, I mean, right the now. flower can do Keep almost anything he wants to do right. right now. Keep wearing it. I, I don't like the look, but uh, I have to admit, when they've been dialing up shot plays, like they, they dialed one up in the first half that it ended up being a penalty, but it worked, and they came out for, in the second half, and you could tell it was a LaFleur special. I mean, Tony Romo was singing singing sea poems uh, about his, the play calling that LaFleur had, and they knew what they were going to do first play out of scrimmage, and he hits him for 55 yards. The flower, Romo, go ahead. Romo with C poems, Rodgers looking like an MVP. I cannot wait to go home and watch this on Game Pass. This is the first game of the year where on Sunday I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm definitely queuing that one up when I get home. Well, they're an NFC bye team right now. I mean, they're just, they seem to be, you could see it with the offense in little stretches here and there getting better and better. And the flower kind of reminds me of like, Young Al Pacino in like the first Godfather where his voice is crackly and he's like, wait, you're the lead character of this movie? But then you get him 10 years later and he's like a completely different human being. Maybe that's the arc of the flower is he starts as someone that we're kind of questioning. It's only like mid-October. I'm just saying, what what if he's there for 10 years? He might be a totally different dude. The flower is going to keep blooming. I mean, the crazy thing is that the Raiders offense played quite well in this game. They lost the ball twice with inside the one-yard line. Once they were stuffed in a goal-line stand. Uh, another time, Derek Carr lost a fumble, reaching for it like he did a couple years ago, or else this they would have had a lead 17-14 with a couple minutes left in the in the first half. They went up and down the field pretty easily on, on the Packers, and I think John Gruden is coaching amazingly this year. I mean, Derek Carr doesn't have any talent other than Darren Waller around him either, and they are just moving up and down the field very methodically, but Carr... Even though his numbers look great, in three of the first four drives, he was the reason they stopped. He missed throws on third down. And when you play this kind of like short in the field, we're only going to have eight possession type of style. When you miss a third down throw, it's almost like a turnover. And he missed a couple to end otherwise good throws. And he had that fumble. And it was like they were no coming back because their defense is awful. That's why I've been telling you. Wait, let's see if we can get through another offseason with Gruden not falling for some other quarterback Mm. somewhere. It's going to happen. By the way, I'm bailing on public consensus. I, I'm now for losing possession when you reach the ball out like a fool. And but Derek Carr, like on that- great player. An incredible player, great man. Having a good season, a family I Family man and his numbers. He's, he's, he's closing in on Drew Brees' all-time record for completion percentage. But you got to be better about protecting the football there in that spot. That killed him. Changed the game. Their roster isn't good enough for the playoffs. And that starts on their defense. But I always think it's important in seasons like that when you know your roster isn't ready yet to find those building blocks. And Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs are stars. Mm. They're stars. Yes, J- they Jacobs was so good today. He ran over Adrian Amos on the first play. He had another monster game. Waller's amazing. The defense, I think, is just one of the four or five worst in the entire NFL. And the, you're not going to beat Aaron Rodgers, I think, unless you have a pass rush, and, and they do not. Well, outside of Khalil Mack, they inherited that. I mean, and there's a, there was a long way to go with that defense. True. Although they did draft you know, a pass rusher with the number four overall pick, and he's giving them very, very little. Max Crosby, their fourth-round pick, uh, is giving them a lot more. Let's check in on another great division battle. 
One wide receiver in the game for the Vikings. It's Diggs to the left, second and six. Cousins play action. He's going to fire deep. Diggs right side. Yes! Diggs caught it at the 30. Angles to the left, 25-20. He sprints to the 15, to the 10. Holding on tightly to the ball with both hands. And he's taken down at the four. Stephon Diggs comes up huge on a 65-yard reception. It's first and goal, Vikings. And look what happened. Paul Allen, one of the great voices in the National Football League amongst the broadcasters, Vikings Radio Network. I loved that call. I love it when teams have a chance to close out a game and they could run the ball, do a cloud of dust, and punt it away and hold on for dear life. Or you could go win a football game, which is what they did. Kirk Cousins connects with Stephon Diggs on that 67-yard catch and run from deep in their own territory with two minutes to play. Cousins threw four touchdown passes, and the Vikings win 42-30 over the slumping Lions, who have suddenly lost three in a row. And yes, you heard it there, play action. That has become the what has changed with this offense in these last three weeks where Cousins has become the most productive passer in the league. Uh, a stretch where he's completed 75% of his passes, uh, thrown 10 touchdowns against one interception, uh, throwing for, I think, 325 yards per game during this winning streak, and it's play action. Uh, and just to give you an idea of how much it's been a change and how it's clearly something they realized they needed to be taking advantage of is for the past three games, 150-plus yards of Cousins' total is coming off that play action. In his, let's say, 16 games last year and whatever it was before that, four games uh, this year, so about 20 games, he only did that once. So they realized that they weren't, taking advantage of what of what should be something that could kill defenses, and now they're killing defenses with it. And, um, Wes, this is um, such a far cry from where we were three weeks ago when Kirk Cousins was the capital T, the capital P problem. This is why I got excited about the Vikings offense coming into the season, because when you have the skill talent they have, if they find a way to get into that top gear, 500 yards today. Well, that problem uh, combined a couple of perfect storm scenarios that everybody always overreacts to the first couple of games of the year. So you have the normal September overreaction. And then you have whatever it is about Kirk Cousins where everybody insists on apportioning blame to the quarterback after the game. No matter who's at fault, it always goes to Cousins. I'm glad that he's doing this. I'm glad he's playing with more confidence, that he's less timid, that they are a balanced offense, and that's what Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were saying a few weeks ago. We need to be balanced because nobody's mm. going to be afraid of us if all we do is run the ball. It, and you're right, Dan. This is the offense you thought you were going to see in the summertime. And and Mark's right because he sat here two weeks ago and says, show me something Vikings, and they did. They showed you that they, they might be one of the best teams in, in the NFC now. Well – perfectly delightful when they do this and use their weapons the way they should. I feel should. like it's strong to say Mark was right about that. No, I think that's... that's he said they were accurate. a team that had no chance to win in the playoffs. Maybe they could possibly Not the way they were it. playing then. Well, you guys not the are way not, they were playing then. Are you guys are not giving him the proper credit for the <laughs> fact you, that the Vikings are now showing Mark something is what's going on. Well, well that's good. I'm well, sure always happy about that. It, when you were suggesting they can be this the best offense in, in football or the NFC... He was saying they could change, and they have. All right, but I was suggesting they weren't playing up to their parts, and they no weren't. Doubt. I just think Wes they is weren't. such a good man, and he's a good friend, but he's bending over backwards here on this angle. Well, Mark saved me from locking up the Falcons, so I owe him a bunch oh of compliments. Gosh, that is I mean, all right, this is becoming absurd, but I will say this. They had issues, and I wonder if it wasn't maybe Mike Zimmer that at some point in the process here had to say, 
my idea of offense needs to change. There Kevin Stefanski was exactly. a guy that other teams wanted, and Kevin Stefanski, I'm assuming, was more creative than this offense appeared to be with its play calling over the first month of the season. So, you know, it's not all on Kirk Cousins, but they were more than just Delvin Cook running 45 times a game. Well, and they were playing a defense you can move the ball on. The the Lions have given up, I think, more than 450 yards in o- of uh, opposing offense. Three straight six. games is the first time since they went winless. And six straight games of 100-plus yards on the ground allowed. And, and the Vikings, to their credit, they lose Adam Thielen to an injury. He might not be able to play Thursday night. I think Irv Smith is a guy to watch. At adding a little more dynamism to their tight end position, and, and Irv Smith gives them that. B.C. Johnson, too. Just makes them all the more dangerous. Um, on the line side of the ball, we've we've now hit the point where it teeters over to the negative side. You, we were giving them credit for hanging around, <laughs> hanging in games uh, against really good competition, which is good. It shows that they have progressed year one to year two under Patricia. And yes, you guys get jobbed. You got jobbed last Monday night. Um, it doesn't mean that you certainly should have won the game, but it really did work out in your favor, Some those two uh, calls. Uh, but... Again, this game was there for the taking, and Detroit has not been able to find a way to close out uh, these games, and they're 2-3-1 and one now. They have not won this month because they had a bye in there as well. Uh, and in the division that they play in, and we, you know, we just talked about how great the Packers were, I think we all believe that the Vikings are a team that can win 11-plus games potentially. Um, the Lions just seem like they're in deep trouble now. And they, this was the game they they needed and they couldn't get it done. They are Their schedule does ease up, I would say, down the stretch other than the division schedule. But you have to win these. You're going to have to win these division games and you're quickly starting to run out. I, I just think they're a team with some young parts that they, that you could believe. But they lost, what, carry on Johnson early in this game. got killed in this game on injury. Darius yeah, Slay, too. And this Darius is, Slay. This is the Damon concern Harrison. with them, that their starters are fine. But if they get a guy like carry on Johnson or Darius Slay injured... The, from starter to backup is is a chasm for this team. Dan, would you like to take a sip of your tea? I feel like I've kind of blocked you out of that because of my issue. Well, you I can always press it. the cough button, and you wouldn't you wouldn't hear it, right? That would well, just that's a good point, Greg. That would be he, the considerate. He actually does this. He there is a point where that would be the considerate thing for to do. Really, it's hard to hold the cough button and take. Yeah, and move dangerous. your microphone. Oh, it's well, so and tough. talk as as you've just. Right, said. Of, I mean, the struggles we face. The, the equipment is not cheap, gentlemen. So to get crazy with the cough button while you're trying to lubricate, lubricate your throat in a big spot. Well, I'm not ah! listening to that argument. <laughs> By the way, the Adam Thielen hamstring injury um, on Football Night in America, your boy, Greg, Mike Florio, reported that they view it potentially as more a week-to-week rather than day-to-day. Mm. He ain't playing. They're playing the Redskins right. on Thursday. And he knows... Florio's tuned in with the Vikings. Closet Vikings fan. Also, if you're, blaming, out there. if you're blaming Kirk Cousins for that injury because he somehow threw him into the wall. Oh, stop it. Reevaluate your life choices, please. <laughs> Who's do, somebody's doing that? I saw people blaming Kirk Cousins for that injury, which they thought was some kind of knee in the wall thing. It turned out to be a hamstring. Either way, it wasn't Cousins' fault. Fool. He's like, you want to keep honking and complaining about not getting the ball? Here's this wall. Eat the wall, baby. Like, Wes and Cousins are going to be going on vacation together no, it's soon. Just I mean, it's just like constant. I mean, you, I, guys, are the, you, but you guys are the kissing. Cousins Corner. I've been lost in the mix here. I mean, this is straight to the source. Whatever it is about that guy, he rubs some people wrong to such a degree that everything gets blamed on him, no matter what it is. You like that? Not everybody does. (laughs) Let's move on. Ouch. Ouch.
13 seconds to go as this game is all but over. Four-man rush, case to throw, heat from the backside. He's sacked at the nine-yard line, and that'll do it. And the Niners are all sliding over the field. They're looking like a bunch of fools out there, Cooley, but they win the game. They win the game. And you know what? Redskins going to remember that one day. You watch. (laughs) (laughs) Will Uh, they now? Who was that? Oh, you know who it was. Larry Michael and Chris Cooley. Yes, I I, pull, I had uh, Ricky pull that because I got some tweets. You got to check out the Redskins call at the end of the game. They're crying in their beers. That was something. Nick Bosa sacked Case Keenum to run out the clock. Belly flopped into a slip and slide celebration. Bosa and the Niners get it done in the elements. Striving what? rain. How come the box score is only showing like first quarter stats for Case Keenum? <laughs> and heavy wind. Fair question. Claiming an ugly nine zip win over the Redskins. Mark, the Niners are six and zero for the first time since 1990. Good job. No style points were necessary given the conditions. What a beautiful, amazing, <laughs> intriguing game this was. And I'm not saying that in a way that um, I'm not. I'm not poking fun at it. I truly enjoy. These kind of games thrown in occasionally to the mix of 42 to 36, 9 to nothing in a game that took two hours and 36 minutes. And I thought to myself, I can't remember us being together and watching a game because this is those, I'm looking for that game. That's a Greg Maddox right? special. I'm looking for that. I mean, quote, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, Mark Sessler, <laughs> it, around, it, uh, you know. One o'clock today. We all want different things in life and in football. And in this, I thought this has got to be the fastest game in a while. And I shot a note over to NFL Research, and they confirmed, at least since the time we've been together, it is. And it goes back to week 16 of 2009 when the Jaguars and Patriots played a game that was also two hours and 36 minutes. The reason that happened is because this is the first game of the year that I can remember outside of some wind in a couple of fairs. Where the weather, absolutely, whatever game plan anyone went in with, it was absolutely blown to pieces by kickoff because the, it was, you know, and if you were watching the video show here or you were listening to them, the players jumping in puddles at the end, from the first quarter on, anytime a player was brought down to the earth's surface, it was just a gigantic puddle of wet covering them. I mean, it's the kind of thing, if you've ever played in that, and I have because I played in Pop Warner and high school, guys, uh, you know, when you're in a wet weather affair, you're, it's, Wait, did it's, you say both? What do you mean? You played in both levels? Yeah. Cool. I wouldn't say I played a lot in high school. It was just sort of That's on. It's got to be its own podcast. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to work with there. The, 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 the deciding factor here was the Niners defense, and it's not a surprise. It, it wasn't a huge challenge, obviously, because Bill Callahan decided to run Adrian Peterson like we thought he would 450 times. And the Niners, though, 154 yards allowed all game at 3.8 yards per carry. But I would just throw all stats out of this. It really was about one team needing to get hot and on one or two drives, and you knew it was over. And the Niners did that. Jimmy G had 10 yards passing at half. They really couldn't run the ball either for a big chunk of this. I- <laughs> I'm weirdly invested as of people that listen to every show or plugged in on this maybe a little bit in Adrian Peterson passing Walter Payton on the all-time touchdowns list. 81 yards. He gets a ton of carries, doesn't find the end zone. It does remind me of a game, uh, if, if, you, if you'll let me go down memory lane, in 1993 as a 13-year-old Jets fan, the Jets went to Washington and won three to nothing um, to improve to eight and five that year. Then they lost out and missed the playoffs. Mm. But... 
Um, that was the same situation, same exact situation where it's miserable conditions. Right. Nobody could get anything going. And uh, I guess in D.C., you know, they got the Nationals to look forward to. This game probably they don't even think about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, another sad day at FedEx Field. I'd say one quick thing that the, the Redskins, this game would have taken on a different complexion. They opened with a 12-play, 54-yard, run Adrian Peterson nine times drive that took up nearly nine That's minutes Walter. off the clock. That's how you win a game like this. And they basically were shut down right near the goal line and missed a field goal. And you knew at that point, I I wanted to say game over, Niners will not lose this. But it went on for another hour plus without the Niners scoring. I think the Niners are a team that can win a lot of games in a different type of way without their quarterback being the deciding factor because... Jimmy G, I, I like him a lot, but this is he was not the difference today. Well, Nick Bosa has weirdly maybe not gotten enough love as one of the great pass rushers we've seen mm. and enter the league it's incredible. in our lifetime. Oh. Number one on my list of defensive rookies list. I mean, I think at this point, he's in the mix for defensive player of the year. Oh, I, come on. Now. I, I really, when you look at the pressure rates, and, and especially what he's done since he came back from the injury, granted that's only a couple weeks, but he dominated this game. Pressure four, rates don't win that award. Four tackles for loss. He's starting to get sacks as well. He got a sack, four tackles for loss in this game. He's winning Almost every snap. It is crazy to see what he's doing. And when I watched, I went back and watched that the Rams game. And on the coach, they have a chance. I know it's super early, but they have. A, if we're going to talk MVPs at this point in the season, the defensive line has a chance to be one of the great defensive lines. If they're totally healthy, yeah. they have a chance to just go like win a Super Bowl by themselves. That that group because Armstead is playing like a Pro Bowler. He's the fourth guy on there. Bosa, Ford is playing well. Buckner. It, it's just a crazy group. And when you ha- if Bosa can stay healthy, he's playing at a level a- as high as almost any pass rusher. Yeah, that's NFL. probably lowering his sack. But there's so many other faces on that defense. And the reason they only got three sacks on Case Keenum is because he only had 12 right. attempts today. <laughs> they kept him out of harm's way the best they could, and they. Still still wreak total havoc on them. One note on the Redskins, they have gone a full calendar year between home victories. That's not good. Uh, and Mark, oh, but don't worry, they were going to remember that yeah. celebration. Well, that fan they're going to get back at them in 2039 when they're, when they're oh, back. No. Uh, remember the puddles? Oh, two more things about this game and then we'll move on. Oh, there's a lot more. Kyle we Shanahan than two. gave the game ball to Mike Shanahan, All right. hired once upon a time. Uh, so that's a nice little thing. So Mike made the visit just for revenge. I, I guess so. Like I like to the that's, that's a very Shanahan-esque uh, tale. That's good. And, and finally, and just this speaks to how rough things are for the Washington Redskins right now, uh, this was homecoming day and the conditions. I mean, what a, it got washed out, basically. More like go-home day. I mean, just get out of there as quick as possible. And they helped him with the shortest game in a decade. Mark, they say that weather is the great equalizer in football and your experience as a peewee football player did you find that to be true the teams that i were on were very mentally tough and we had so you know it other uh, there were other factors weather wasn't really something that would get in our way for the most part let's move on <laughs> he takes a quick snap looking right all the way lobs the ball to Gurley out of the backfield over the Got shoulder it. he brings it in touchdown la Todd Gurley with one of the great catches of his career back in Georgia for the first touchdown of the game. He's the voice of Westchester, J.B. Long of the Rams Radio Network. Jared Goff threw for two touchdowns, ran for another score, and the Rams rolled over the Falcons 37-10 in the building where their offense melted down against the Pats in Super Bowl 53. The Rams... They end a three-game losing streak in the debut of Jalen Ramsey, who uh, 
Wes, maybe you can let us in and what they did to get him on the field in terms of whether it was Toradol or a brace, you know, whatever to do, get that back straightened out so they can play. Anyway, um, first off, you do owe Mark a hug for moving out of the Falcons lot. Lock. And I don't know. You should get half of a loss for that. I feel like absolutely not. And two, the Ra- the score. And two, <laughs> thirty-seven. The Rams needed this bad. Yeah, I, that's it's borderline miraculous. I don't know if they brought some miracle healer to the scene for Jalen Ramsey to be able to play. But not only God was he playing, him. he was tracking Julio Jones around the field and jacking his jaw the whole first half. Mm. And then I thought. One of the big turning points in the game, <laughs> Julio Jones beats Ramsey for 39 yards. <laughs> then he beats Ramsey again down the sideline, and the ball right in his hands. He has to stretch out and dive, and it was so close to being a catch. It, mm. w- it would have put them right on the doorstep of the end zone. He couldn't quite reel it in, and the Falcons never recovered from that. And then the rest of the game was just a series of points at which I didn't think the Falcons could get lower. And then they would. I just underestimated how low the Falcons could get. Ouch. Well, it doesn't get lower than Matt Ryan getting hurt. Well, before that, Devontae Freeman got ejected for doing something stupid like trying to pick a fight with Aaron Donald. I don't know why anyone. On would. the same week, someone sucker punched Miles Garrett. He's Although to to fight Donald, Donald. Donald kind of took his manhood by holding him up, basically, and walking at the same time. That like, was probably the, him. probably the biggest gain Freeman's had all year. Ooh. Ouch. You know, we're, we're sponsored by the, the Marine Corps, and. Yeah, you don't impose your will on a man like that. That's disrespectful. You pick That's him up like a little boy. That's what football is. Imposing your will on the other yeah, guy. Yeah, you pick him up like a little boy. It's disrespectful. You know, the Marines, we don't, we don't, we don't go for that. It is surprising. Just beat him thirty-seven to ten. I'm not surprised that the final score that the Rams scored, but the fact that the Falcons only scored or only had two hundred and twenty-four yards in a game that Ryan did play most of, well, is pretty surprising. It's the same thing we've seen all year. He was hit on eleven of his first twenty-two dropbacks. And no running game because the running back doesn't make anyone miss. So that's a problem. The offensive line's a problem. And then a couple of near catches. But it was certainly not one of Matt Ryan's better games. They're in that mix now for the top because their schedule's tough. They're in that mix for the top pick. Especially if Ryan's hurt. They could lose out. He was hobbling. And word after the game is that they don't think it's a serious injury. It looked like something he could probably go out there and play on in a Patrick Mahomes limited mobility kind of way. And again, on Sky Sports earlier today, we were asked, Wes, by Neil Reynolds, if Dan Quinn could be out the door sooner rather than later with the bye week coming up in week nine. And it's like, well, what does that matter? Sometimes that feels like that's overblown because... It, it seems like we're nearing a certainty territory that he'll be let go and he won't be the coach in 2020. What does it really matter if he's let go when they're one and eight or whatever it will be at the bye week? The well, bigger that- question is if they get rid of Thomas Dimitrov and they really blow up the whole thing. I don't necessarily think that's a good idea, but it's it's probably something they're considering. Well, it's it's usually a little bit easier than we think to read these things, and it has to do with credibility. If the coach has lost the locker room and nobody's buying in anymore, you know, Deion Jones after the game says, we got his back, we're going to keep fighting. And, the, and you know, the owner, Arthur Blank, said, I still support Dan Quinn. So it doesn't feel like he's lost them. It just feels like they're lost. They haven't had a sack. They popped this up, up on the screen during the game. They had not had a sack since 
September 21st. It's been over 300 snaps now since they've had a sack. Long way from that playoff game that you guys were at, yeah. Rams-Falcons. I mean, it reminds me a little bit, you know, going back to the Bears, where if you're Matt Nagy and you come out of a game like this where the offense laid a gigantic egg, it's like this is why you were brought in. And Dan Quinn's defense has not been a Dan Quinn defense in a long time. That owner is not a knee-jerk reaction type of guy, though. He said he's redistributed some of the play-calling duties on defense going back to last week. Look at this flex on Sunday Night Football. The graphic, most consecutive years as number one ranked show in primetime. Sunday Night Football, eight seasons passing American Idol, The Cosby Show, and All in the Family. What a flex! Wow, we, I, I think that's like the first time in, in the middle years of the telecast that we've kind of broke bro- the fourth yeah, wall. Yeah, we've broken the fourth wall. We're talking about Sunday Night Football, but that's what did it for you. I mean, I mean that, that's I, wild. In the I do like of the those tweets. The, the NFL occasionally sends the, these tweets out where it say the top twenty-five programs of the last you know three months, and all twenty-five are NFL games. And it's just the league being like, <laughs> "Hey, you say our league is down? Here's a bunch of middle fingers." That, that's when you. <laughs> If you want to That's know how why, I read it, at least. Yeah, if you know, if you want to know why Al Michaels has four Ro- Rolls Royces in Malibu. Does he? That figure. What else is on uh, right now? Probably. That's right. Unless you're like, re, you know, DVRing 60 minutes and watching it for the oh, third it, time in a it's row. It's total. It's any show and any, you know, they, they just dominate the landscape. That's like uh, 270 minutes, Mark. No competition. Let's move on. <laughs> Oh, this Rivers is takes the snap, gives it to Gordon. What did he get disgrace. in? No, he did not. The clock is stopped with seven seconds to go. There is a lot of discussion. I don't know what this is about. I'm not sure why the Titans' defense took off running. And he's losing the ball. He appears to be lo- he's losing the ball. That's what it is. The ball is coming out, and Woodyard, I think, is the man who recovered it. That's what this is. That's what it is. We couldn't see it. The Titans have recovered the football. That's why they came running out. If it's ruled a fumble, which it should be, the Titans have won this game. We've never had an ending like this here. (laughs) Mike Keith, beautiful call. Wow, I love that. Titans Radio Network. Oh, my God. Jarrell Casey. Is this the song Shaq uses? It's going to put us in the crosshairs. Uh Uh-oh. Might have to scrub this one. There's no way he listens. That's true. Darrell Casey recovered a fumble by Melvin Gordon at the goal line with 15 seconds to play. The Titans somehow pull out a 23-20 win over the Chargers in the Dirt Nap, dirt nap Ball, as we, I believe, titled it. Welcome to the underworld, Chargers. Greg, <laughs> even by <laughs> the standards of the Los Angeles Chargers, this loss was absurd. No, this was something special. This was something different. Uh, unfortunately, I had I had to trade this. I had to trade for this game. Had the pleasure of watching it. This may go down as one of the greatest trades uh, since Steve Young to the 49ers. I mean, let's not let's not act like it was a trade. You basically imposed your will I, on me, like Aaron Donald I had to. and Devontae you, Freeman. You were very nice, and you know what? I and if you're listening for the first time, you have no idea what we're yeah, discussing. we discussed. Doesn't we, matter. We trade the assignment. This game was insane. How it ended, and we can talk more about the rest of the game, but the ending sequence where Melvin Gordon got a chance to lose the game for the Chargers drives me crazy because Melvin Gordon got way too many chances to lose this game for the Chargers. 16 carries, 32 yards, got the ball three different times on the goal line. The first time in the first half, he was he was stuffed, and he kind of almost fumbled it. They didn't call it a fumble. There was some debate whether it was a fumble or not. They end up scoring uh, on a throw to Gordon the next play. 
This time, they get the ball back on the goal line. There's some back and forth. There's a false start. There's a whole lot of everything, like two overturned touchdowns where the Chargers thought they had won. But the reality is Gordon fumbled on the goal line, which you absolutely cannot do, and he recovered it. And then Anthony Lynn gave him the ball back, or whoever's calling the play, Ken Wisenhunt gave him the ball back again, and he fumbled it again, which is just insane and drives me crazy because Austin Eckler is the only reason they were in this game. They were down 10 with six minutes to go. And I said to Wes, the Chargers are like one of those dogs who start clearing the way, you know, for when they want to take a nap. They, they were they were digging up the dirt. Ten points down, six minutes to go. But they came back about as fast as you possibly could because of Austin Eckler as a receiver doing everything. And then you give the ball to Gordon to lose it. Not good, even your good, best. Ana- good animal analogy. Just thrown out. Not even your best analogy. At one point, you seemed to compare. Uh, you had a plumbing analogy in which Austin Eckler was somehow Drano and Gordon he's, was a ball of tangled he's hair. He's clogging the toilet. He's the toilet clogger. I well, called him the anti-plunger. This backfield, to me, shows how good NFL players are. And I'd love to see a coach, after a holdout, don't let that guy back on the field until he proves that he's better than the guy he's replacing. Mm. And Gordon has not proven that missing training camp and missing September, he's a better player than Austin Eckler. You need that practice. You're absolutely right. And there was a mandate right away. We're going to get him on there. He's going to see playing time. In the three games he's back, they're 0-3. Not all his fault, but he's not helped. He has a combined less than 100 yards at less than 2.5 yards per carry over three games, all losses for the Chargers, who are now, as Dan mentioned, six to seven feet under the <laughs> earth. You were, you were enjoying the end of this game, Dan, because it was just... Dan it was, predicted it, It was basically. a slow-motion car crash that you couldn't believe what was happening. It, yeah, it was a... Before it, what preceded the go, the the Gordon fumble was two touchdown scores where the officials ruled touchdown and then they got called back on review. It was so clunky. The end of the game, it took about 45 minutes to play the last minute of the game. Um, But yeah, I think for me and and some of my more um, higher moments of self-loathing around the Jets when things are going bad, I'll I'll point out that nobody really knows how to lose and, and shock you with their dysfunction and failure. Like the Jets are just really good at thinking up new ways. The Chargers fans and their fans, they get it as well because there's only one team that would figure out a way to blow that game, and it's the Chargers. It, right, in regulation. At worst, they you would have thought they could have kicked a field goal there, although they're on the one-inch line with 45 seconds left. It's, it's such a unique uh, Chargers thing to fail that way where they – got in the end zone twice, got called back twice, and then you give it to the guy you definitely shouldn't give it to. You're basically daring the football gods to smite you, and they say, all right, if you, if you want us to, we'll do it. <laughs> and who's left holding the bad? Chargers fans who have been suffering for years and years and years. One question, Greg, because this was the Ryan Tannehill experience beginning, and there was an interesting report that he and his agent, or it was a report, essentially the information came from the agent, that they handpicked... The Ian's Titans, that. Ian's yeah. report that because the Titans felt like the team where the quarterback in place would either A, get hurt, or B, lose the job due to performance, which is a weird thing for, in the locker room, I would imagine, to come out, uh, you know, in the middle of uh, preparation for week seven. That's sports. Yeah, that is weird. I mean... That's sports, though. It's, it's smart. Like, I know the agent true. wants to look smart and everything, yeah. but... Ryan Tannehill played well today. He threw the ball really well. He... Did, 
Delaney Walker made a quote, had a quote. They said, what's the difference between, you know, Tannehill and Mariota? And he said, well, he throws it harder and he gets rid of the ball faster. I was like, well, All those, right. are, but those besides are, that, those are two good things. Now in Tannehill fashion, this was a good Tannehill game where he threw it really well, but he still had an interception and two fumbles. Uh, and he took a couple hits in the, in the second half, and, and the interception came on on a hit that was maybe not his fault. But this was actually a game where the offense has moved the ball quite well. There's only eight possessions each. It was just like a long, slow. But if you like long, slow possessions that end in misery, this is your game. You had the day I could have had, Greg. <laughs> and I know Titans fans out there, some of you don't like me very much, but a lot of my frustration and doubt of that organization was always around Mariota, who looks like he's out of the picture. So he's gone. Now you got to get rid of the uniforms. Uh, that's that's a grisly look. Mm. The blue you quickly on latched blue. on to the it's, next bullet point. Of oh, your I like that. It's not nearly as important as a quarterback, but I just I just think they need to reboot the and the whole logo thing. Clear it all out and start again. I feel like so, they're not out of it. the quarterback oh, throughout ouch. the uniform. Greg, you hate everything throughout the logo. They're three and four. I mean, this was a big. I know you guys don't think so, but I think it was a big game, especially looking at both okay. teams' upcoming well, they had, schedule. They had first round pick came and played. Jeffrey Simmons. Throw it all out, Greg. Okay, Jeffrey Simmons was one of the stories of the day. He's returning from a torn ACL that he suffered while preparing for the combine. This right. was only in February. An insane, Dang. an insane comeback, and he was maybe their best defensive player. He had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. He had a QB hit. And he's made, someone pointed out, he's made a bigger impact in terms of tackles for loss and QB hits than Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, and I forget who the other first-round defensive tackle is in mm. one game. He had a, a really great game for them. So that's I kind of believe in Mike Rabel. I don't know. I'm not sure always why that is, but I kind of just... Mustache. Maybe on Mustache. defense and special teams. I don't believe in anything this team has I like the look of offense. A.J. Brown. These teams look... Very even, though. As, well, they could have lost, and we would they would be seven feet under the ground, between six and seven feet. That's the Chargers instead. As a child, Mark, of yes. the 70s, okay. and, and the mustache, which was, there's nothing more paternal than the mustache in the 80s. It was the dad look. I think that's what you're connecting with. Someone yeah, but I would could trust. I, He's got broad shoulders. Uh, he's a guy, I'll protect you, I'll take you through the darkness. And I think that's what's hitting on. You're not totally on. wrong on some of that, but my dad never had a mustache, so I'm not interested in someone well, that's, else's dad that's a whole being other can paternal. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> daddy, but I daddy, like, I've generally grew up feeling that mustaches were a tad creepy. The cops had them. Vrabel's like the dad you never had. I'm not sure that's it either. I'm not, I'm not, we can keep trying or we can move on. I don't know. All right, let's move on. <laughs> First down at the 20. Josh takes the snap. Looks. Fires straight down the middle. It is caught. Touchdown. Touchdown, Buffalo. Smoke. John Brown. Touchdown, Bills. An excellent throw by Josh Allen. John Brown running up the seam. He goes in motion, and he runs up the seam, working on Ryan Lewis, beats him to the inside against man coverage, and Josh Allen knew exactly where he was going with the football and delivered a strike to John Brown. John Murphy and Eric Wood of the Bills Radio Network. Smoke. John Brown's nickname. I thought it was Smokey. Well, a lot of people call him Smokey. Okay, that's cool. That's fine with me. Uh, he, you know, he's had a he's had a good role with that team, and he's having a nice season. Been a true number Smoke. one. And um, he wasn't the only star for the Bills. Tre'Davious White forced two second half turnovers. Uh, Mika Hyde returned an onside kick for a touchdown. The Bills rally from a five point deficit, thirty one twenty one win over the Miami Dolphins, who are still looking for their first win. But incremental progress, I feel like. Wes. 
Uh, White saved the Bills from potential humiliation on Sunday. Yeah, he was the difference in the game. Um, on a day, well, it's a second week in a row where you look at the Dolphins' offense and say, yeah, they're much better with Ryan Fitzpatrick. As we've said, that could change in a week or two when he's throwing everything up for grabs. But he he calls out the protections better. You can see that that the offensive line plays better for him than they do for Josh Rosen. Uh, Mark Walton looked really good running the ball. Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. You you can find worse wide receiver duos than those two. The Dolphins did not look inept, and they finished their touchdown drives, whereas the Bills were settling for field goals. And then Matt Hawk, the Dolphins punter, took a fade field goal up the gut and was tackled just shy of the goal line. It looked like the Dolphins were going to get another score. They were already in the lead. They're going to put this maybe out of reach. And then Jordan Phillips strip sack. Dolphins fall on the ball. And then Tredavious White next play. Diving interception. Josh Allen gets the ball. Goes six for six on the drive. Touchdown to John Brown. Next series for the Dolphins. Tredavious White forces a fumble. And then the game's basically over from there. Tredavious White saved them. And for all we've knocked Josh Allen, I think he's less predictably bad than guys like Trubisky, where, Mark, you had that stat where it was like nine straight series or whatever. He couldn't get 10 yards. I think just when you think that you have a a handle on Josh Allen being a bad player, he does things like that six-for-six drive, and he uses his legs, and he'll throw a touch pass once in a while where you think, if this guy can put it together, he really is a dynamic athlete. It seemed like he was always the quarterback where when he's doing something in the positive column it might be so incredibly athletically unbelievable that you have to have him on your team and that's why certain scouts he, he's also really the guy who can be throwing less than 50% completions right. in the first half against the 2019 Miami Dolphins which when you start playing he's also the guy who can be 10 for 11 for 111 sure. yards and two touchdowns right, in the but second that's half the to win the to- game you've told me all year that none of these games against the Dolphins count basically or, or mean much and so that's a team so that what, I would what is expect- this like you just want to get shots in at Joss it's, Allen here no I'm just it's, saying with our podcast there are three things in life that you can count on death taxes and Greg taking pot shots at Josh Allen. It's not pot shots. I'm just saying if we're going to be consistent, they oh you've been consistent. Like they need to be better on offense against the Miami Dolphins. That's all. I, mean, I don't think he's bad. saying anything out of. I mean, no, Josh, I, Josh I, Allen I absolutely is. I, I don't think you know. he's saying anything wrong. I, I just, I'm just <laughs> amused by you're always the guy to jump in and say. But actually, he's terrible. He hasn't played well at all this year. Well, I, mean, I, I think mean, if you're at all, if you're ranking the nut spots where he's played well, do you but he see growth from well last year? No, I do. Really, I think he's been one of the bottom six. I'm just saying, in a league where there's so many good quarterbacks, he's one of the bottom five or six, and that hurts. That hurts your. But team. you also never factor in his running ability, which for him is a big part of his game. Sure. At, at five and one, not to also be a wet blanket here. Um, the, it's been a pretty soft five and one start. I, I still need to see some. You know, marquee wins. Before you start saying this is a team that has the defense and makes enough plays on offense to shock some people in January, maybe you still need to see a little bit more from the Bills. Well, don't you think that we always look at uh, teams that jump out to starts like this in an orthodox defense or special teams first fashion with a sideways view because it's got to come from offense or we don't believe in it. We have after the Eagles next week, they play a slate of teams that don't have more than two wins, four more in a row, Redskins, Browns, Dolphins, and Broncos. Well, they'll be 11 and five. I have no problem with them being 11 and five or even maybe 11 and five. And then what happens from there when you have to... I think they have the pieces to play better on offense. I think Allen can be corralled. I think they can be better. But if he's a bottom six quarterback... 
that, that's a problem. You have to, even in the, this offseason, think about what you're doing at quarterback. And outside of Tredavious White, their defense was not that impressive today. Hmm. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish out the rest of this uh, Sunday slate. That's it all. Just Dalton gets and the two receivers to either side. It's going to be a screen. And it is picked off by Yannick Ngakwe to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown. Big 6. Yannick Ngakwe extends the lead for Jacksonville. Can you hear the hammer pounding on the nails? That's the nail in the coffin for the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, in this I like ball it. Game. Oh. You're at 6 feet under. Frank Frangi. And I don't know if that was Jeff Lagerman, my boy Lagerman. Or Tony Baselli, but somebody is launching attacks. <laughs> the Jaguars radio network, no Jalen Ramsey, no problem. Unique Ngakwe returned an interception 23 yards to the house, clinching a 27-17 win uh, for the Jags over the Bengals. Still looking for that first dub. West side of Cincinnati, quiet again. Wes. They never stay that No quiet. chili tonight. Mark. Feels like a 70s rock song. No chili tonight. (laughs) Mark, it was uh, part of a huge defensive showing for the Jags who stuck Andy Dalton on a stick and made him their ginger-haired scarecrow forever. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't know how to follow that up. Put that in your power. I appreciate that because you've come up with something, uh, a new way to describe the Andy Dalton experience. And I, anyone who watched the end of this game – you are dealing with a quarterback that threw three interceptions over the course of five attempts in three possessions that utterly buried Cincinnati's chance to take a game where they were very much in a manageable situation to win against a Jaguars offense that put together drives of 9, 11, 9, and 12 plays, moved the ball but could not score field goal after field goal. They finally did punch it in, and that separated them from Cincinnati, but the Bengals had a chance. And I get it. Look at Andy Dalton is, you know, working with an offense where Alex Erickson had to catch eight passes today to be the leading receiver, and they cannot get anything going on the ground. Their running game, and it has to do with their offensive line. I got a stat for you. Hit me. This is one of the most amazing stats you'll hear in a first half of the season. To this point, the Bengals have rushed for 372 yards. Their opponents have rushed for 1,323 yards. They are outgained by nearly 1,000 yards seven weeks That's into impossible. the season. They, be a they're on pace it's, for the worst rushing team in the Super Bowl era before this game. And, it, well, and, they, and they gave up 216 today. Wow. To, and so that's that's been the thing week after week is their line on both sides are – Totally dominated. So you can't just look at Andy Dalton. I mean, their and, running know, backs ran for the it called runs with zero yards. That's hard to do. Joe Mixon. 16 runs for zero yards. Whoa. Joe Mixon, 10 rushes for two for two yards. We figured out Andy Dalton years ago. He rises and falls based on what he has around him, and now he has he's never had anything worse around him than he has now. Now he's worse than he ever was. He needs a fresh start. In he Chicago. Need, he needs to go somewhere well, where I don't, that's he would have a chance to um, get his career back on track because both sides need a, a, a refresh here. I, I just, Third it, round pick for Andy Dalton mess. at the trading deadline. Who says no? Just do it, Bears. Oh, I Mike love Graham. that. Just do that, it, Bears. I love that. That, that, that would be interesting. I would, I would do that in a too. second. The problem with, with, with Zach Taylor and the Bengals is, I don't know, I know they're trying to run a certain type of offense that he's familiar with. You can't have Andy Dalton throwing the ball 43 times in this, it, with what he has around him. <laughs> when well, you're running back, exactly. 14 for I, I zero. I get that, but the whole thing is so broken down. And it's, it's a just, disaster. 
the the Jaguars were no treat either, but they saved their season because how they lost boy? this. Your boy Minshew. They moved the ball. I mean, it's again, they just couldn't. They can't. They struggle, and they've done this all year long. Closing drives because they get into the red zone and it falls apart. But he still throws the ball aggressively. Gardner Minshew also is. You know, he's not Josh Allen. But he had a couple key scrambles today that kept the drive kept drives alive. Every game he's going to give you that, and he did not throw an interception. And for me, it's like this is a guy that you can ride with. He ran not for forty six more yards than the Bengals running backs combined. <laughs> yep. I got it. All right, let's close out the pre Sunday night football slate. Now the Cardinals have it first and ten at the Giants twenty two. Handoff, Edmonds. He breaks left. Is he going to do it again? Yes, he is. Touchdown. Chase Edmonds has three touchdown runs, 20, 20, and now 22. Uh, This game was supposed to be about the return of Saquon Barkley. Instead, their star running back was Cardinals backup Chase Edmonds, who rushed for a career-high 126 yards, a career-high three touchdowns, 27-21 win over the G-Men at the Meadowlands. Greg, Cardinals sacked Daniel Jones eight times, too. Mm. Maybe they're not terrible, or maybe the Giants are. I mean, they're not terrible. The little Cardinals are wondering, well, what are we going to do, Dan, to move up in the rundown? We've won three straight. We haven't lost in all of October. We've got Chase Edmonds, a 5'9", running back out of Fordham University, outshining Saquon Barkley. I mean, Chase Edmonds has been Going to New Orleans and beat the Saints next week. Right. High in the rundown. The the three teams they've beaten could not be worse. I think they've won a combined three games. So I get it, but... They only won three games all of last season. And the running game that Cliff Kingsbury has brought to Arizona travels. Because you didn't have David Johnson today. They started him. He had one carry, and then he didn't play again. Wow. And Edmonds carried them along with a defense led by Chandler Jones, who had four sacks all by himself. Hey now. Daniel Jones sacked eight times. Daniel Jones fumbled three times, had an interception. He has now thrown seven picks and has five fumbles in his five starts. And it's disappointing because this was the game you're kind of waiting for where you had Ingram and Barkley and Tate all on the field together. Ingram had a disastrous game. Barkley was fine. And the Giants offense was really kind of the lagging group of this game. In a rainstorm. Yeah, I get it. Giants offensive line has not been a total hot mess this season. The last couple of weeks... The communication in recognizing where the pressure is coming from, and that happens so many times That's today. on the quarterback. You, you could see that Arizona was like, we're just going to keep sending stunts, and we're going to keep sending blitzes and doing all sorts of different things. And by the end, it was just a feeding frenzy. And Chandler Jones especially, you know, like punched his pro ball ticket. And when you get those four sack games, Punch it. it looks nice. Was he going against Nate Solder? He was on both sides, Okay, I believe. I believe Remmers and uh, Nate Solder both uh, had their share of struggles. Uh, I mean, Kyler Murray had 104 yards this game. I thought this would be like a high-scoring game where both quarterbacks did a lot. Uh, Not so much. Uh, You know what I heard? Three, three, and one, though. They're they're 500. That's interesting. That's good times. You know what I heard, Greg? Yeah. I heard the biggest star of this game was actually upstairs in the booth. Greg Olson on the bike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An absolute master class. Uh, (laughs) One of those, remember early Romo when people were like, wait a second, we might have something special here. We got a situation here. I mean, I'm sure Booger's not sleeping tonight because Greg Olson is right near the end of it's been an excellent (laughs) career. And people are talking. 
The streets are talking about Greg Olson in the booth. Uh, he was awesome to the point where I, I was just like, who is this new announcer? I like this guy. Like they, He's making a lot of smart points. Like who, I've never heard this voice. And I checked, and it's Greg Olson. And, yeah, he was a joy to listen to throughout. Analyzed the game very calmly. It's for, you know, for a tight end, you can really see like the game from the quarterback position, just like breaking things down and teaching you. Stuff. How about this for a quote, Greg? I know you love this stuff. I do. That's why I'm directing it at you. Kenny Albert was his partner. I like Kenny. It was a good duo. Here's what Kenny had to say, according to The Athletic. I don't think I've ever gotten that many texts or tweets during the game about an analyst that I was working with, hmm. and it was 99% <laughs> positive. Wait a minute. What was the one percent? Star. Well, you never can please everybody. We heard him in the playoffs. Might have been the analyst he was with last week. We heard him in the playoffs last year, and I thought in his first like ever game announcing, he's already second best behind Romo. It's kind of nice to still like you're you're in a job. Drop it in for during the bye week. That's kind of wild too. I mean, that's that's breaking boundaries. You're like in a job, and then you already know that the minute that you decide to leave the job that's paying you millions and millions of dollars, that you'll just. Roll in as a class favorite. I'm ready to put out the sandwich right now that he's in the booth at Monday Night Football the season after he retires, whether it's 20. Wow. Oh, I'm with you on that. He, uh, You're not taking me up on it? No, I, I agree with you. you. me up on it right now? I mean, there are human beings involved in that process. Oh, so. what a guy you are. <laughs> what a class act you are, I mean, Mark. I'm just waiting to when I can watch it again. <laughs> it was very disarming. It, to, to have a guy I don't in the feel booth, comfortable, and then at the end of the game, it just feels like an aggressive wager for our show. <laughs> it, it does feel a little aggressive. Feels a little right, aggressive. Calm down. <laughs> I know what's really going on here. We'll talk off air, or not. Um, all right. We will never talk again, Dan. This is it. <laughs> this is, keep sipping your tea. This is the end of our relationship. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's move on. Tavon Austin in motion, coming to the left, and they will pitch it right to Austin. He's got a first down, 15, touch at the 10, running to the 5, to the pylon, touchdown, Tavon Austin. Stop the presses, the Cowboys have scored a first quarter touchdown. The Sham God, Brad Sham, the Sham God with the call, Cowboys Radio KRLD. When Tavon Austin is starting action with a touchdown, you know your offense is going to have a good day. And that's what happened for the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, everyone on the Cowboys had a good day in a 37-10 win over the Eagles, a win that snaps the Cowboys' losing streak at three and sends the Eagles deep, deeper into their existential funk. And if you're Jason Garrett, Greg, who after a week, you know, this happens almost every year uh, for, for going on a decade. There will be weeks during the season where people will be pointing at Jason Garrett and saying, that man's the problem. Get him out of the building. They need a better head coach. And perhaps they do, Greg. I, I think you're one of those people that believe that. Ooh. And that's okay. Uh, but this was, as Chris Collinsworth put it well at the end of the game, the pressure relief valve has been hit. Absolutely, especially going into the bye week. To to get Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper and the best tackle tandem in the league in uh, 
Leal Collins and Tyron Smith back, you're going to look better. I think their offense hasn't been the problem the whole time. We talked going into the show, it's been the defense. Can Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, can they start making some plays? That's exactly what they did in the first half of this game. They gave their team uh, a few extra possessions by winning the turnover battle. Three to nothing. The Cowboys did have a couple injuries with Robert Quinn and Van Der Esch in terms of the second half, but by then the game was over. It, it is pretty impressive to see the Cowboys win that convincingly, and yet somehow it's not totally shocking the way that the Eagles uh, have been playing, especially the last two weeks. Yeah, the Cowboys didn't implode in the red zone this time. They've been moving the ball up and down the field pretty consistently. They just haven't been scoring consistently, and today everything just clicked. Yeah, I, I look at the Eagles, and I thought before the season started, I pointed to them as the team in the NFC that I just believed in the most from top to bottom, front office, coaching staff, rostered. I knew they're, you know, they're not perfect, but you thought this is the team that I, I thought would be there at the end. They, I, watching them tonight... Last week it was the secondary. Tonight it was the defense again. I watched their offense too and just say, identity free. I don't know what this offense is about. They, uh, Greg, I think you kind of mentioned there was sort of this sort of bad energy around the whole Eagles operation tonight. And it's just, I, I go into week eight wondering what this Eagles team is right now. I think about the late Tony Sperano and his famous bury the ball. You bury the ball, you bury the pass. This is very close to... Not very close. This is a bury the ball game for the Eagles. But you know what the problem with the the bury the ball game is? It can't happen on the same week that your head coach tells the media, and I know he would try to walk this back, we're going to go to Dallas and we're going to win. And then you don't show up. It doesn't mean the Eagles are done. But to Mark's point, they have been one of the biggest disappointments in the entire league, I believe, through, through seven weeks. And they still have time, Wes, to get back on track. And you know what? I'd be surprised if they don't. But at the same time, it's been bad and it's been rough, and they were not competitive tonight. That is not a good sign, not a good look. Well, we give the Eagles a lot of credit. I think we have confidence in their general manager, the coaching staff, that it's a strong roster. And then you can't – if you believe that, then then one 32-year-old wide receiver who's a deep threat shouldn't throw off everything just because he's out of the lineup. Right. No. Deshaun Jackson being gone has hurt them, and they've been prone to some stinkers. Look, they got blown out by the Saints last year, much later in the season, the middle of November, and they bounced back from that. They lost by 40 points. But it's strange to see them in two straight weeks on the road against other playoff-type contenders, and I think we're clearly the inferior team in both games. I don't think they were that close to the Vikings. I think the final score was appropriate, and when you look at these – Two teams, they're they're both very tough to get a handle on. But what's been consistent? I think the Cowboys' offense has been consistent, especially when they're healthy. And what's also been consistent is the Eagles' defense being lame. I mean, they've been a pretty bad defense throughout. And their offense works really hard for everything. I mean, Wentz, for the most part this season, we like what he's done. But it, they're Have just... Have they had a running game outside of the Green Bay? No. When... I mean, they get some plays in the receiving game from the, from Sanders. But they, they seem to be working so hard, whereas in the past, I feel like Peterson and Went, like things just came much easier. Wentz missed a couple big-time throws tonight where he had open receivers. So it's not all... It's not just one thing. This was your a game where the field is 110 yards going uphill both ways vibe for the Eagles. I mean, the Cowboys, what a great what a great night. I mean, Jason Witten, the montage of Jason Witten oh, doing yeah. fist do pumps. Do we have that for the video show? Oh, yeah. We do. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. NBC Let's put together a right. montage of Jason Witten doing like 
like dad fist pumps from oh, he, yeah. he just won the second set tie break in the men's <laughs> over 45 championship uh, at the old tennis club. Uh, he, he's, uh, he basically is just farting on Monday Night Football right there. He's, at, he's saying, at, he's I'm going to do what I want to do. Kid Rock concert, and they just went into bar with the bar. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, this is my college jam. <laughs> Some great wit and fist pump analysis. I enjoyed that. You know who wasn't doing all those things we just mentioned? Bah with the bar, the banged it. Go ahead. Mark or Wes, who locked up the Cowboys, baby. Nice job. And Mark, you, you really saved your buddy here. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, you got out of the Falcons lock, which was, you know, godforsaken. Poorly lock. conceived. And now you're on the board. You end, And I said it on Thursday show. Internationally, this story is picking up steam. You're going to be all over the papers uh, if you would like the papers? Falcons. Uh, it was going to be grim. So good job with that. In fact... Wes was being boycotted in China. So it's, you know, you're, ba- you're big in China. You're back on the... You're back. You're good in China. Again. Actually, I have a comment to make about what's going on in, in Hong Kong right now, but I will save it for the end of the show. Um, Greg also locked up the Packers. The Packers. We went four and zero. Hey now, so how the about first that? Time in all season. season. We, are we really that? So we we don't mention locks at all for all those weeks we were terrible. But now that right. we went four and zero, you're damn and right. And we're Greg. like we're 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 almost like two weeks away of, of from doing that again of getting to five hundred. Let's honk about it. Hey, listen, it's been a rough ride so <laughs> Always far. Always forward, never back. Greg. I, what I can say that no you guys can't see is Erica's face right now. She wants us all taken out by wild animals before <laughs> in the next minute or two. <laughs> All right, that's it. Good job by the Cowboys. Bad, bad job by the Eagles. And yet, you do feel like the next time they play, the game will mean something. That's just the way this division works, typically. Cowboys got Eagles got to figure it out, though. NFC is pretty deep. It's going to be a little trickier to slide into one of those wild card spots. Week sixteen, they'll they'll meet again, but in Philadelphia. Uh, We'll see if that game has huge ramifications for both teams. All right, we'll be back on Tuesday. Um, where we will recap the Monday Night Football classic between the Jets and the Patriots and uh, and then do a bunch of other fun stuff. Might be a classic. I hope it is. I feel like it would be good for the Jets if it was a classic. Because could it be a classic if the Patriots win? Probably no. not. No. But if it's being called, if it's being hailed as a classic. I mean, if it was a great game that the Patriots won at the very end. It could a be classic, a classic. No, not a classic. If they won a hundred, I'm not, I don't want, if they won a hundred yeah. nothing and it like changed football right. history, it's still not a classic. Not if a Sam classic. Zarnold be a throws for six touchdowns, but Tom Brady throws for seven, including a, a 48 yarder at the buzzer, that's going to be a classic and no matter what? who wins. I take that okay. as a Jets fan. Okay. So give me that. Ricky tried to end this show 67 seconds ago. Let's go. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm fine, you guys. I'm loving it. All right, run the music. You just have us spooked. <laughs> this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Ryan Bartlett, and friends behind the glass. Thank you, everybody. Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.